0: All right, well, they're taking their seats. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we also pray as the song saying that you would make us a soul on fire. Father, I pray that we would be ignited with a passion for your son. And Father, I pray that that would indeed spread throughout our church, our community, our county, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, I pray that you would um, encourage hearts during the service. Lord, I pray that you would feed your people. And Father, I pray that you would use us to do that. We ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, it's no secret. Mr. Alan Harris and his wife Sue are here. In just a minute, Alan's going to come forward and uh, share some things uh, about Baptist men with you. Also, probably tell you something for thank you for all of your hard work for supporting him. I'm not spoiling what he's going to say, but I need to tell you a few things about the Baptist men. The Baptist men are something that I think most people don't understand. You have no idea how many people came to our church and said, are the Baptist men here? And I would have to explain to every single one of them that Alan's the only Baptist man. Well, I'm a Baptist man. Alan's a Baptist man. But the, the Baptist men operate through volunteers. And Alan is incapable of doing the big scope of what he does without volunteers. And so when we talk Baptist men, we're talking about an organization. And yes, the Baptist men have been in our church. Alan's footprint actually just left when the trailers pulled away about two months ago. He's still got a few things left here. We haven't turned them loose yet. Um, but at this time, Alan, I'd like to invite you to come up here and share some things with us. And then after you're finished, just uh, stay put and we'd like to, to give you something.
1: Okay, I won't touch it. I appreciate letting me come today because it's um, has been a special place. You know, we come in when floods. In this case, a flood came in, and you see people at their worst. I was able to stay here through the complete project, so I went from seeing people with their heads basically spinning because they got hit with two five hundred year floods in ten days to put them back in their house. Um, that would not be possible if I didn't have a church like this to work out of. You know, we came in, you know, we sleep in the classrooms, we park equipment out there, we got extra vehicles. And y'all bent over backwards to accommodate us. And me personally, I thank you for that. Um, I says, like Bobby says, all volunteers. Um, we put a call out that we've got this issue at this spot and we start sending out emails. We start calling people and they start showing up. They don't show up because it's they're gonna be in the paper or they're gonna get praise and not. We don't want that. We show up to help because God has asked us to do it. God has put a call out for everybody to, to do something. He's got a job for everyone. These folks just said yes and they show up and it's not like it's a vacation. It's not clean work. You're mudding out a house and you're in the, the whatever was in that water, wet insulation, wet flooring. You know, they had a good time doing it because they were working for God. That's the best boss we could ever have. This church and y'all made this one extra special. You welcomed me. You made me feel like part of the family. You looked after after us. If we thought we had a need, maybe y'all had already provided it. This is just this has been the best place I've worked in. Just from the the participation. Y'all were out there with us. Um, you had groups go out at night on Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, doing some, finishing up some stuff for us. Um, you are out there in the community helping helping your community, and that's what it's about. And you know, We've got stuff going all over the world, but it starts right at home. You, know, you don't forget your own home to go overseas. It's not a, a if and... It's not one thing or the other. We've got to cover everything. Everybody is called for something different. We came here. You know, we had trailers in your yard. We, in your church. And that's an inconvenience. And we try not to be any more than we have to be, but it's an inconvenience. When we had the recovery part, which was tearing out everything, you know, a lot of churches and association helped feed us, bring food and stuff. Y'all did a, a majority of that work. When it switched over to recovery, you know, y'all did it all. We had a team every morning for breakfast. I needed breakfast. Same guy showed them, cook breakfast, over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, that was over a year and a half we were here that we had people staying. Had a committee to take care of the rest of the meals, and we didn't eat a bowl of cereal. For breakfast. We had a full-fledged breakfast. It was all the fixings. Supper was the same way. You come back from working all day, sweating up a storm, get cleaned up, and you have a home cooked meal. You know how much that means to these volunteers when they can get something that's home cooked. I mean a lot of times on big ones you're getting out of the out of the food trailer, you know, getting prepared stuff that is cooked about thousands of plates. You can't do but so much good cooking that way. You know, this was home cooking. This was real food. We, when Baptist men are not preparing meals, it's not a meal count kept. I went back and y'all cooked over 25,000 meals for us. And that's probably on a low number. What'd you think of your committee, I'm, y'all did, 25,000 meals y'all cooked for us. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of hard work. And it takes that commitment, that hard work, to keep us going. So everybody in this church helped. Whether you actually cooked, whether you brought something, whether you showed up on a job site, whether you contributed financially to help put the stuff back together, or whether you prayed. And there was a lot of prayer going on. And that is the most important part of it. Um, we're not here, like I said, to say, look at me. You see a yellow shirt. We want the people to see God coming. because well, that's, that's, that's the whole reason we're here. The flood just got us here. That gave us a reason to come and be in these homes. Our job was to witness to these people in their worst times. You know, who knows what it's going to do. We just have to plant the seeds. That's our job. Somebody else come along, give them a little water. Somebody else come along, water it some more. And then between them and the good Lord, hopefully, we all pray, they're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. That is why we're here. That is what we're for way Baptist Men works, you know, we're invited to come in. And like I said, we work all volunteers. They come from everywhere. We had a lot of teams from the mountains come here. They came as far as Arizona. They came from Michigan. Um, Utah, I believe, we had teams team from Utah. But once the good Lord gets involved in it, he gets the people he wants to be here you have the people you need for what happening that week I might not have a clue what's going to happen God's got it planned we just got to follow him well, we always seem to have what we need when something goes wrong in a house or goes different than what we think it's going to be this person here well I can do that I don't know how to do that I can fix that but we're here following the good Lord and that's, that's, that's the main thing it's not what we do, it's what we do through him. He's got a job for all of us, and y'all prove that. Um, I've been in a lot of places different over the years, and don't always get the church participation like here. Y'all care about your community, and everybody who came could see that, that this church really cares about their community. You are out there helping your community, not just sitting in these walls. Y'all were out. Y'all were in the community. Y'all were serving your community. In the worst, worst possible times, when you lose everything you've got, and you watch people drag it out to the road, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a uh, confused. You don't know what to do. And when you've got to tell your child that they can't have their teddy bear back anymore because it's ruined, you take it to the road. They're, they're tough moments for the volunteers. So when they can come back and they have the support and the love that y'all showed them it means, it means the world everybody talked about how loving this church was it's, it's more than, than I've seen in a long time in a lot of places the people that care this much for that community and I thank y'all for that I thank y'all for letting us be here I thank y'all for praying for so much like when she was having some, some health issues uh, that's the only reason I could be here because she was supporting me at home. You know, she was taking care of stuff at the house and she was praying to help me keep going. And that's that's what it's about. We take care of each other. Now, shut up now. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I do. Y'all a family.
0: Come on down, Alan. Randy. Sue, would you stand up front with us just for a minute? I told him I wasn't going to do this, but I, I lied, I think. I'm afraid. <laughs> Come on up here for a minute. Sue, these flowers are for you. You guys know the uh, the cliche that behind every good man is an even better woman. And uh, Alan spent a lot of nights in the young men's Sunday school classroom on an air mattress uh, while Miss Sue kept the fort going back at the house. And uh, we couldn't be more appreciative um, of Alan And she is a behind-the-scenes person like, you know, a lot of wives are. She kept Alan going so he could keep us going. Uh, We looked, men and women, like heroes in our community cleaning up because of what Alan did. Alan coordinated every single thing that happened through our church. Uh, Alan coordinates volunteers. There should be a Nobel Peace Prize for people who coordinate volunteers on the scale that he does. One day he gets a phone call on Monday, we're coming, there's 25 of us, there might even be 50 of us. Then he gets a call Tuesday, wait, it looks like there's only two. Then he gets a call on Friday and it says, actually, one of the two just had a heart attack, nobody's coming. And so this is what Alan's week looked like. That was a normal week for Alan. Uh, We're coming, we're not, we're coming, we're not. Uh, Alan gets phone calls. Uh, from a college group that came from over in Asheboro. Hey, Alan, we're almost there, but the wheels fell off of our bus on the way to you. Alan calls me in a deacon's meeting, and Boyd and I go out there and, and, and get the bus patched up and get them so that they can get the rest of the way here. That's the sort of stuff that Alan dealt with. And you know that Alan took all of that stuff home with him, and Sue bore a big load of that as well. So my job is mainly to thank Sue, but I had to tell you what Alan goes through to tell you what she's we, she went through. And uh, those of you who don't know Sue well, I'm not going to embarrass her, but uh, she went through a lot of health things over the last two years, and uh, we're happy to have her standing here with us, and that she was able to come join him in good health. And so now I'm going to get out of the way and let Randy tell, if you can think of anything left, uh, tell Alan thank you. But Sue, we're so grateful for you and letting us have Alan. I
2: love y'all. That You're all awesome. family. And because you took so you know, such good care of him and, and I would hear about this person doing this and this person doing this. And I met a few of you the few times I was able to come down and,
0: and we just love you and you are a family and and y'all
1: are special. We have a lot of friends in Berkey County. And you know, if we live on or in Hartford County, so we love the other year, but so um, we, we love our church and, and our family. But um, we do have a lot of people friends in in Berkeley County.
2: and I don't know if there's much left to say, um, but please uh, ex- accept our appreciation for um, what you and Sue, and, and as has been mentioned, Sue, we know that you were a partner through all of this, and the long hours, the seven days a week at times, and the, the stress and the worries, and the, uh, it's a, a big job for a long time. You know, anyone can do anything for a month, but for a year and a half or more, it's, it's tough. And uh, we just appreciate, yes, we just, <laughs> I understand. Yep, I've got one too. <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate uh, as a team uh, the service that you have provided to this community in uh, the surrounding area, the ministry that you and, and all of the volunteers have provided. Um, it's, um, I mean, it, it has been seen, it has been noted, it has been talked about, and um, it has really helped to restore so many lives and families and uh you, you can't put a you know a price on that and uh it's just uh we're very, very proud of the work you've done. So having said that, uh we certainly uh want to uh would ask that uh, as an expression of our appreciation that you accept this gift from Cache-Eye Baptist Church. Thank you for your service, Alan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, sir.
0: Well, I want to tell you one more thing about Alan before we go, or before we go, yeah, before we let Alan off the hook completely. Um, we knew that we wanted to uh, give Alan a token of our appreciation. Many of you don't know that uh, one of the other headaches that Alan has is that Alan goes into an area like Bertie County and wider than that, and he's given all of these homes. There was about sixty or so homes affected in some way, shape, or form, and then Alan has to try to help all of these people. On a shoestring budget and so I want to say the number Alan was given at first was about $5,000 per home that needed to be rebuilt something like that and so when you look at a a whole house that's been flooded you know as well as I do that you could drop $5,000 just on kitchen cabinets. And you haven't touched anything else. And so, uh, Alan has been able to stretch a dollar farther than anybody else I know. He's actually had money left over at the end of help in Bertie County. And a lot of that is because of your generosity in giving. Uh, one thing I will miss about the whole flood experience is there was, for about a six- to eight-month period, an endless supply of sausage biscuits in the refrigerator. And so, uh, I did appreciate, Billy, you not feeding them oatmeal and cereal. I uh, appreciated the sausage biscuits um, I would have left money But they didn't have a donation jar next to it So I, there was no way to, to pay you back, Billy Sorry about that He says, I'll get it, don't worry uh, But anyways, we, Alan is one of the, the Alan is the caliber person That uh, when we wanted to uh, give them a monetary gift That I asked our secretary, Lois If she would go to the bank and get cash Because I didn't have faith in uh, Alan To actually cash the check and so uh, Alan and Sue have uh, built a house here recently in the midst of all of this going on. Uh, he's built a house for them to uh, to grow old together in. And uh, in that envelope, because of your generosity, uh, is $1,000 cash for them to have. And so that is thank you from you guys to them. And uh, if Alan tries to give it to you or tries to leave it behind, you are given strict orders to not... Let him give it back. And Alan, I'll drive to your house, and uh, I'll give it to your neighbor if you don't keep it. Uh, I promise you, I'll be relentless that we want you guys to have that so that you can do some sort of special project uh, at your new house. We love you guys, and we treasure everything that you guys did. And uh, I feel like we've tried to say thank you a lot, but we we feel really indebted to you guys. And uh, I'll stop embarrassing you now, and I want to share with you all for the rest of our service a handful of other mission opportunities that the North Carolina Baptists have. That's the wrong piece of paper. There's a handful of other opportunities that we can take part in as North Carolina Baptists. When I was a youth pastor, we did a big youth conference every year. We called it Disciple Now, and we would get in between 150 and 200 students. And the most difficult part about planning a mission weekend for students is finding things for them to do, right? You would be amazed at how difficult it is to find opportunities for especially teenagers to serve. And it's equally difficult to find um, areas for adults to serve. So it would be easy to say, hey, I've got some free time. Let's do something kind for someone and not know of anything to do. And one of the things that the North Carolina Baptists do, they have a fantastic website I'd love to point you to. It's uh, North Carolina Baptists or ncbaptist.org. You can go there, find out all sorts of information about them. But one of the things that they're great at, and this is one of their missions, their vision is that every Christian sharing God's love with hurting people through word and deed, They've got a handful of different ministries that they are involved in, 18 to be specific. So there's 18 different ministries that North Carolina Baptists have that you can serve through. And uh, three of their purposes are this, to initiate and network to discover mission needs. That may not sound like much, but a huge, a huge part of what they do is they seek out and they find genuine hurting people that need someone to come alongside them and serve. Sounds like an easy thing to do, but it's not. The person that asks you for $5 at Bojangles is not really a hurting and needful person, right? That person... Uh, doesn't have the sort of needs that we're talking about. The other thing they do is educate and disciple people concerning their own spiritual growth, gifts, and abilities. That's why every single house that we worked in at all, if you worked on that particular house, you signed a Bible, and Alan presented that house with a Bible at the end of us working there, so that these people are not just helped physically, but that these individuals can be helped spiritually as well. And then the, one of their goals is to motivate and lead people in meeting those mission needs. And so if you have ever seen advertised any sort of mission rally that's when the baptist men gather everybody from regions together and they celebrate the things they've done they try to motivate you and encourage you to come alongside and help do more projects we about three years ago had a mission rally here at our church alan stood up and said guys hertford county is still hurting i've got several trailers that need roofs and at the end of his motivating speech i said alan we'll take one of those roofs and i'll find people to help us and so we went and we put on a roof on a trailer for alan uh over there in elizabeth city and so it's a really neat thing that the baptists do at their mission rallies to motivate and encourage people there's some other ministries outside of alan that you might be able to help with we have an aging population here at church. I know it's no secret. We have a lot of people who don't feel like they can do things that they used to do. And they, they're looking for ways that they can support ministry. Here's a, So I wrote down three different ministries that the ba- North Carolina Baptists have. One of them is international. One of them is statewide. It's actually in Vermont. And the other two are local things that we could do right here in our church parking lot. The first one is a place, is a ministry called the Door of Hope. There's a place in Johannesburg, South Africa. Listen to this. At least three babies are abandoned every day in Johannesburg, South Africa. Wrapped in a plastic bag, discarded in garbage cans, thrown in dumpsters, left in public toilets, thrown in rivers, or left in hospitals and parks. These children face certain death without immediate intervention. Can you believe that? Three children abandoned every single day just in that section of South Africa. And so North Carolina Baptists saw a need and they have a ministry called the Door of Hope. What the Door of Hope is, is that they have a, a small compound in any of your third world countries... They, if you have anything that's of any importance, you build it in the middle, then you have a, a yard that's usually dust, no grass. And then around that, you usually have some sort of brick wall or chain link fence with some sort of razor wire or barbed wire around the top to keep people from climbing in. Oftentimes, you have a cinder block wall around your house, and then the last layer isn't cinder block, it's glass. They put in broken bottles and everything else to keep people from climbing up and over your wall. What they do at this door of hope is, have you ever have you ever tried to mail something large at the post office where you pull the door forward, you put your box in, and then you close the door? Or even so, uh, because I don't want you to think that you put the baby in and then the baby falls into a bin. Think of more, you're at the doctor getting a physical and you place the cup in the window, you close your side, and then it's open to the other side in the lab. They have a door like that in South Africa for babies. You drive to the Door of Hope location. You open the door. You put the baby inside the door. You close the door and you drive away. And there's a Christ follower on the other side that opens the door, gives the baby a hug, and then gets that baby some sort of care from Christians who are deeply concerned about the baby. If you've ever been to a third world country and seen an orphanage, it is a horrible place. They keep the children alive and sometimes that's all that can be considered that they're doing. Babies don't cry in orphanages overseas because it doesn't do them any good. They don't get any care because they cry. So if you were to walk into a room full of babies, there may be 60 cribs and no child is crying. It's a very quiet place. And so since its beginning in 1999, Door of Hope has rescued over 1,500 infants and has provided temporary Christian homes for abandoned, aborted, abused, and orphaned babies and children. They operate a number of baby homes, not institutions, where babies enjoy the loving care of Christian caregivers and volunteers until arrangements can be made for their adoption. They're trying North Carolina Baptist right now, North Carolina Baptist, yellow shirt individuals are trying to build three children's homes in South Africa that'll be able to hold 80 children. They're putting together dirt bricks. They're making all of that on site. And they just need people to show up and stack bricks. They say it doesn't take any special need. You just need to be able to stack bricks. They need that. Each orphanage costs roughly $30,000. And so for less than $100,000, they can house 80 children and then, obviously, you don't stay a child forever. And those are those are homes that will be used over and over and over again. And so, less than $100,000, you can put that together. Our church could realistically pass the plate right now. And it wouldn't be a long shot for us to take $30,000 and build one house by ourselves. They need people to stack those bricks. So, that's something. If you wanted to go international, you could do that through the North Carolina Baptist men. Also, Vermont. We've been taking trips to Massachusetts. Vermont, according to a Gallup poll, is the most unchurched state in our nation. And North Carolina Baptists have enjoyed a fruitful partnership with the Churches of Green Mountain Baptist Association since 2005. In that time, thousands of volunteers have gone to Vermont and served through backyard Bible clubs. That's like a vacation Bible school outside in the community somewhere. And all sorts of other ways that North Carolina Baptists are trying to serve our nation and making it not unchurched and unreached. I've told you guys before that the city of Boston is just as unreached as the country of Saudi Arabia. And these are ways that North Carolina Baptists are trying to put a dent in lostness in America. There's also a ministry. This one's really interesting. There's a ministry to Hawaii, right? You may think, oh yeah, sure, a ministry to Hawaii That's one of the ministries that struggles the most because everybody thanks a ministry to Hawaii. They need mission workers to come fix up some of their buildings because they're in disrepair. And nobody will come because they're afraid of what people will say, that it's just a vacation. And so Hawaii is one of our states in great need that North Carolina Baptists are trying to help. Right here in North Carolina, you don't want to go to Vermont, you might not want to go to South Africa, you want to reach people in Bertie County because we have lost people here, right? I hear that a whole lot. Because of North Carolina Baptist faithfulness and your faithfulness in giving to the cooperative program and in giving to our association and other places, the North Carolina Baptist men have bought two dental buses. I don't know if you remember this or not, but the dental bus is one of the ministries that we had here about three years ago. The dental bus has two rooms in it exactly like you would go to your dentist. It has two chairs in it. You invite the bus to come to your place. You pay the bus 65 cents a mile. And so that means for 200 and, no, excuse me, that means for $165, we can have a dental bus pull right into our parking lot, open its doors, and for $11.13 per person, That's assuming that 40 people get care from the dentist. The dentist can do fillings and extractions. We did this a couple years ago. This was a huge ministry for our community. We have a lot of people in our community that don't qualify for Medicaid. That means that the government doesn't provide them free health services. We have a lot of people in our community that we have the ability to reach. These are hardworking construction workers. These are hardworking loggers. These are hardworking truck drivers. And the list goes on and on. Think through people that work by the hour. They don't get vacation time. They just get leave without pay. These are individuals who are making just enough money to get by some of them and they don't have Time off work to go to the dentist, and maybe when they do have time off, they're missing that money, and so they feel like it's a privilege to go to the dentist. For $11.13, we can give those people care to the same dentist that you and I go to. Nancy Dennis beat the streets with some other people and got a dentist to volunteer his time. You would be amazed how many people came to our church seeking dental care, and the The bus offers fillings and extractions. The dentist would take one look at most of the individuals and he would pull their teeth. There were people who got three and four teeth pulled while they were here. Your copay at the dentist is far more than $11.13 probably. And so just for $11.13, we can pay to have individuals in our community get dental work done that they otherwise would go without having it done. And so that's something that we could do right here. And for less than $500, we could do that ministry as soon as we pick up the phone and call them. If we have people who are willing to go find dentists to go find dentist assistants and to share the gospel with these individuals who are coming to our church. The other one is that I know a lot of you, uh, when we have church events, you don't eat sugar because you're diabetic. And I see all sorts of things on Facebook where if you don't share this, you don't care about diabetes, right? And so somebody out there has a big place in their heart for diabetes for $7 a person. We can have a bus show up in our parking lot and they will do screenings For A1C or A1C screenings for people who may not be afford, may not be able to afford going to a doctor, we can screen people all day long for $7 a person. You do the math. A hundred people show up throughout the course of the day. That's for $700. We can give a hundred people access to A1C screenings. That's what it would probably cost for you to go to the doctor by yourself and get the same A1 screening. Trust me, I have three kids that need doctor's appointments. I know exactly what the going rate is, and it's a lot. And so North Carolina Baptists have made it so easy for us to do ministry. they found where the needs are. They've supplied us us with it, and we don't pay any of their overhead. We just pay for what we use. Now, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to one passage. This passage is in Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to do a lot of preaching out of this passage, I want to read it, and I think that the word really speaks for itself. This is Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 reads as follows. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats... And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now when you read sheep on the right, goats on the left, it probably makes you wish you would have sat on that side, right? Okay, there's a dividing line there too. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. Thank sheep good, goats lost. Sheep saved by Jesus, forgiven of their sin. Goats rejecters of Jesus. He's going to put the sheep on his right. He's going to put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You may also read, My house flooded. And you helped me I couldn't afford to go to the dentist But you provided a way I thought I had diabetes But I couldn't afford to go to the doctor But you provided a way for me You saw my need and you met my need Then verse 37 Then the righteous will answer him Lord when did we see you hungry And feed you Or thirsty and give you something to drink And when did we see you a stranger And invite you in Or naked and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? You can also read. When did we see your house flooded and help you? When did we see you with dental problems and help you? And just think of any need that people have and help you. Verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. My house flooded, and you didn't help. I needed medical attention, but you put gas in your boat instead. Verse 44, then they themselves were answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Verse 45, then he will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Brothers and sisters if you helped in any way shape or form people that had been flooded out I want to commend you. I want to tell you what a good job you did how much love you showed exactly like Alan shared I also want to commend you that there are still hurting people out there We still live in one of the poorest counties in the nation that need help They don't need handouts. They need people who will roll up their sleeves and do difficult ministries to give these people a hand up instead of a hand out. These are difficult things. These are tough conversations that need to be entered into about how you can genuinely help the residents of Bertie County. Because we would all recognize that our county needs help, right? We would all recognize that despite the fantastic school teachers we have here in this room, they've got the deck stacked against them when it comes to a good school education. These are all problems in our community that we can roll up our sleeves and help with if we're willing to sit at the table and have tough conversations about how to go about serving. Brothers and sisters, there's a stern warning for those who never help anyone. And I just want to encourage you that Alan is finished up here. I think he has one small carpentry job left to finish up, and then our area is complete. But he's working in Manio. He told me a year and a half ago that he was retiring. He lied first. So, Sue, I invited you up, but he told me he was retiring. He's, Manio flooded when we got all that rain. He's gutting underneath of these houses. None of the water got inside of the main dwelling, but it's duck work and all sorts of other things. There is endless work to be done through the North Carolina Baptist. And I just want to encourage you to take time out of your busy schedule. Schedule time to help others. You're never just going to accidentally help someone. It doesn't work that way. We have lives now that your phone could go off and the course of your day could change for the next week. Schedule time. Use some of your vacation time from work to help other people. Be towards your neighbor the way that you want them to be to you. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Alan and Sue and the blessing that they were to our church. Lord, I thank you for all of our church members who helped out, who gave sacrificially. Lord, to make our church one of Alan's favorite places that he came. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be a blessing to him. And Father, I pray that uh, that we would be able to continue this relationship with Alan and continue to be a blessing to he and Sue. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to take too long of a rest after recovering from our own flood before we help others. Lord, help us to get engaged, to get online, to see what sort of opportunities are out there that we feel equipped to be able to help. Lord, I pray that you would ignite in us a passion to help fix our school system, to help the poverty state and our county. And Lord, I pray that you would use us in a mighty way so that if our church did disappear, that our community would actually miss us. God, we love you. We pray that you would help us to be good to others because you have been so good to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us for our hymn of invitation. I'll let you know what's going on as you stand for our hymn of invitation. We're going to sing this invitation song. Uh, If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, you're always welcome to do that. If you're here and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, to be forgiven of your sin have eternal life in heaven, we'd invite you to do that as well. And then after we close with this song of invitation, we're going to, for the next month, we're going to be singing uh, a benediction that uh, Betsy and John are going to lead us in. We're supposed to be in Acts chapter 9 where Saul is on the road to Damascus, and he sees the light, and so Betsy has picked out a themed song for us to close with over the course of about the next month. It happens that this is the first week we're going to do it, though, so stay standing after the invitation. I'll ask uh, Dr. Tarkington after the song of invitation to close us in prayer, and then we'll sing our benediction, and we'll be dismissed. Clear as mud? Let's do it. Sorry, I just got my microphone on. I'm going to ask him to close us in prayer in just a second. But there's something else I forgot to share with you. Um, this young man coming down here right now has uh, put his faith in Jesus. That uh, through Alan's stirring, stirring speech, he's a believer now. Actually, that's not true. Uh, this young man's name is Colton. Uh, Colton is two years old and is a new addition to our family. Uh, we don't know how long Colton's going to be with us. We're expecting at a minimum a few years, uh, but it looks like Colton could be with us uh, for the rest of his life, or uh, for the rest of our life. Uh, but uh, we think this young guy's going to be a struther. We just got to uh, wait and, and uh, see how everything pans out, but you're going to see a lot more of him, and we just wanted to introduce him to you and uh, let you get eyes on him for the first time. I'm going to ask Dr. Tarkington if you would close us with prayer, and then stay standing for our benediction.